0: Listener supported, WNYC Studios.
1: WQXR, in conversation.
0: 1685 was a remarkable year in musical history. That March, Johann Sebastian Bach and George Friedrich Handel were born, just three weeks apart from each other, and deservedly, they get a lot of attention. But later that year, a third composer was born, who in his own quiet way would also revolutionize music, Domenico Scarlatti. While Bach and Handel experimented with every sort of instrumental combination, Scarlatti was laser-focused on the keyboard. His 555 keyboard sonatas were formative in defining what was technically possible to do with ten fingers. I've been studying Scarlatti sonatas for several years now, and if you can't tell, I'm just a little bit of a fanatic, which is why I was so excited to meet the young French pianist Luca de Bogue in January to talk about his electric new recording of Scarlatti Sonatas, released last year on Sony Classical. I'm Zev Kane, and this is Classical New York, WQXR in conversation with pianist Luca de Your album is almost four hours long and still contains less than one-tenth of all of the sonatas that he wrote. How did you decide which ones to record Were they sonatas that were most personally interesting to you? Did you have a vague program in your mind as you were conceptualizing the record? The very first step which led to
1: the recording was actually to buy the old sonatas. The latest uh, edition we have that is actually a reference is the one made by Kenneth Gilbert. It's in the 70s, and it's in 11 volumes. It was written for harpsichord, but it's written the same way. If it would be for a harpsichord or for a piano, it doesn't make a big difference. Of course, one pianist has to be conscious of many, many aspects of this music if he wants to realize it on a piano because it was not written for this instrument. But I was reading the whole thing several times, which takes a lot of time. It's like uh, 37 hours of music altogether. So you take uh, one week doing just this, the exceptional thing with the Scarlatti sonatas is not about their quantity, even, even if it's quite remarkable, it's about the quality of the music. Because if you go through this huge corpus, you can hardly find bad or pale sonatas. Most of them have really a very strong character, a strong energy in, in that, and it's very hard to find weak Uh, stuff there so for me it was also very hard to not record the whole but to to pick my own selection so I went through it and and did it in several steps first I I selected a, a big load just with my own taste and then progressively I reduced, and to reach this amount of fifty-two, because uh, for me it, it made sense to to play on this number. That is the number of weeks in a year, and also the the, the number of cards in a card game. And as Scalati was a gamer, gambler, that's why I, I picked this number. And I think it's not the last Scalati recording I'm doing. Okay. So so I think uh, I will I will still continue working on this and maybe record other ones. What, what I was really happy about after s- making my selection is that a r- very important a- amount of the sonatas I, I chose actually were not recorded by pianists or not performed live by pianists because it's more or less the same selection of sonatas that you hear by pianists. It's quite obvious that most of these sonatas are associated like pairs, paired together. In some of them, it's quite clear that there are common points in the material, in the, the themes, the melodies, and the rhythmical elements. And so it's one could say it's a bit like the preludes and fugues you can see in Bach and these the, kind of diptych pieces, the pieces that work together, one slow, one fast, or the contrary. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so when I was thinking about the track list, the track order, I was keeping some of the pairs that Scarlatti or The Apprentice, uh, Soler or whoever, did for the collection of sonatas. And I was also making my own pairs. Like if I am just mixing uh, the cards, you know. So I think that it's part of this game to get a bit lost in this music. I think that Scarlatti was very witty, actually, and he would not have been against this kind of game. To have made this gift uh, to humankind, uh, this incredible set of sonatas, to have made it very properly presented well, beautifully written uh, in this uh, Parma and, uh, and uh, Venice manuscripts, but at the same time to have not let us information about how it was made, the chronology of all this. I think he p- he's playing with this. At the same time, he, he recognizes that, that it's quite exceptional, the music he wrote, but at the same time, he doesn't want to give too much information. He wants the people to get lost in his maze, And you can feel in this music a scientific Uh, Way of uh, scientific vision. Uh, He's repeating, for example, the bars, the same bar repeating exactly the same for three times, and then when it, in the second part of the sonata, it will be for five times. There is a reflection of this, like. Do you have an example of that? There are some sonatas in which he repeats exactly the same thing. And once again, Exactly the same. So then it doesn't repeat. It modulates. But still, rhythmically, it's identical. And now.
0: That cadence there sounds very much like a flamenco guitar.
1: But actually, actually, it's not even flamenco, because flamenco was not existing at that time. But it's what I, I figured out after after looking for it. It's gypsy f- uh, folk music, the, the, the Span- Spanish gypsy. So what we call Spanish music or fan- Spanish folk music is actually a mix between Arabic, uh, w- w- the Moors, and they were influencing a lot the culture. And so you have this influence, you have also the influence of the gypsies. And all of this... Uh, creates this kind of sound that we call, oh, it's like Spanish music, but it's actually a uh, very, very mixed. And of course, Scarlatti had this influence of everything. So the guitar, of course, and
0: uh, but it's not the flamenco we know uh, nowadays. This actually explains a question that I had for you. Just my favorite, probably, Scarlatti sonata is Kirkpatrick 27, the B minor. Yeah. When you play that, I've listened to... Every interpretation of that's not that I can find because I'm just I think it's so elegant and beautiful, and to me, it sounds very guitar like with the arpeggiation and, and and whatnot. you You play that arpeggiation quite aggressively. Um, so to me, I was a little taken aback by that only because i I'm used to hearing it a little bit more flowing and elegant. Do you, do you hear sort of a gypsy element in that, for example? I like to challenge myself by never playing the same. And the
1: the way I play it on the album, for example, is not anymore the way I play it in recitals. And sometimes it depends on the instrument, it depends on the mood. For example, at the beginning, you, you know, I don't like to play it really straight in tempo. I think it's more hesitando. And now. Of course one can play it. But I find it incredibly boring. And I think it's not the signification of the of the music. The music is actually rhythmically it changes. If you look carefully at these arpeggios, it's not exactly the same Changes, but you have to look very carefully at the score, and it's, uh, there are small elements that are not the same. He reproduces like nature. When nature reproduces things like fruits or leaves, you can recognize that it's the same, uh, a, leaf, a leaf from the same tree, but it's not
0: exactly the same. It's never the, exactly the same shape. Just to compare Scarlatti to two other composers who were born in 1685, Bach, Handel. It seems like his keyboard music uniquely anticipates the demands and possibilities of the piano in a way that even Bach's does not. As you translate this music that was written for the harpsichord to the piano, what are the sort of unique challenges and possibilities that you see?
1: Well, it's quite a rich question, so it's difficult to it's difficult to do to to make a compact answer to that question because I'm still looking for I'm still thinking about some things like do i uh, am i doing this in the right way or i think that a musician is always has to experiment you can hardly say okay i found the right thing and now it has to be so. so so i'm trying things sometimes i slightly modify the score because i i tried to to play some of the sonatas in the with an absicord and i witnessed some reactions from the instrument with this music that, I, that are not the same with, than with a piano and actually I tried to imitate or to compensate some things, about the resonance mostly so sometimes when obviously Scarlatti wanted to maintain, to sustain a note or a sound the piano doesn't do the, the piano has not the same it doesn't work the same way for example uh And some, some people may say, oh, but you are not play, You don't know how to play in tempo. But of course, I know how to play in tempo, but it doesn't work if you play it like. And no one played the music like this for the, for the very simple reason that in the time of Scarlatti, there was no metronome. So the people could not play like. Now we have, if you look at our watch or. Or a clock, there is the time is fragmented with equal uh, quantity between the seconds and between the. The people were conscious of that, but they were not applying it to music. It was not working this way, so it was much more free and uh, spontaneous that we can imagine. The, the musical informations to make them talk, the time has to have a spirit, and the spirit is not given by the metronome. It has to be to have character, like you see someone arriving on the stage of a theater, and it has to speak. And if the time doesn't have his resistance, this tension, then the music cannot speak.
0: Scarlatti's motto, which he wrote on the top of one of the folios, I believe, was Vivi Felice, live happily. Does this music make you feel happy to play? Are you happy when you play it? It's interesting how you
1: translate it because you translate it like live happily. But in Italian, the same than in French, actually, it's more like live happy. So it's more like almost compulsory, like be happy. It's quite interesting because there is this, uh, and, and uh, before, before writing these two words, actually, he writes that uh, to the, the reader, uh, please don't take this music too seriously and so we should not take too seriously also this uh, advice like it's not only about happiness in our world there is kind of a dictatorship of the smile we have to be happy all the time to show that we are that everything is great that we are doing well even when we are inside rotting inside or burning inside and this music is actually not like letting us rest in our happiness even if we are if if we are happy we cannot just stay happy. There, is, there are many, many things happening. Even when we are happy, somewhere else in the world, people are not happy. So there's always something
0: else, another side of the medal. Do you have a favorite? If there was one that you were taking to a desert island, the only Scarlatti you could play for the rest of your life, what would you pick? Wow.
1: I would still go for the two o eight. I have a picture on a, I see something while playing it. I cannot prevent myself from seeing someone who would be awakes in the morning in his bed and the window is open and it's beautiful weather outside and he can hear the bell for the breakfast. And here it's it's like him saying I'm I'm too lazy to get up and get my breakfast, you know. I'm too lazy. <laughs> and then there there is a, of course some drama arriving here. And the second half of the sonata is also uh, starts with drama I think it would be that one because there is something there very special. It it, it talks about happiness, a kind of happiness, but also talks about laziness, about freedom, about loss. It it talks about many, many things. The score is just two pages and it's accessible to many mm, pianists, even amateur people. There is nothing virtuosic there. So innocent. So, So... the, at, at, when the sonata starts, you don't know where it, where it can go. It, it could go everywhere. It could stop. It could start again. You have no idea where you would go. And this, is, this music is incredibly fresh. You listen to some contemporary stuff,
0: and you know exactly where it will go.
1: With a Scarlatti sonata, impossible.
0: That was my guest, the pianist Luca de Borg. You can hear his album of Scarlatti sonatas released last year on Sony Classical now available on all streaming platforms. This interview was produced by Max Fine with help from Rosa Gollin. Our technical producer is George Wellington, and our executive producer is Lucas Krohn-Grimberger. This is Classical New York WQXR in Conversation. I'm Zev Kane. Thanks for listening.